Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. What's up, everybody? My name is Aaron DeLong. I'm the lead pastor here at Simple Church. I want to take just a moment before we jump into what we're doing today to greet all those of you that are either watching in our online campus or on Facebook live, or maybe you're just listening to a podcast or on YouTube. However you have uh, gotten here today, we're so glad that you're here with us. Know that, that you are here with family and uh, we're just glad you're with us. So today, as we uh, go through our content today, if you are either in, in our Facebook or uh, one of our campuses know that you can interact with each other. You can interact with the content here. There are people from our team that are there that can answer questions for you uh, and pray with you and uh, and help you get connected with your next steps. So make sure you utilize them uh, throughout this time. Amen, everybody. All right. Well, today is uh, a brand new series. We're going to start it, and and I know that that what I typically do is uh, a series that is topically based. In other words, we'll, we'll tackle parenting or we'll tackle uh, relationships or finances, but, but this is not going to be a typical series like that. What we're actually going to do from starting today and through uh, the rest of the summer, which will lead us into August when we start our 21 days of prayer, we're going to be walking through a very specific book of the Bible and just going verse by verse throughout it. And uh, through, through this series, we're going to look at the book of Galatians. And um, now you need to know this about the, the, the book of Galatians. It's in the New Testament. And there are, are multiple books throughout uh, the New Testament that exist solely just to give Christians a solid foundation in their faith. And most of these books in the New Testament were written by a guy named Paul, or people know him as the Apostle Paul. Apostle just means special messenger. It means that Paul wasn't a pastor like I am. Paul was a church planner. He was an entrepreneur. Now, yes, I planted this church here, but I planted this church and, and have helped other churches get planted. Um, and, and I would call myself a church planner, but that's not my only job. I'm a full-time pastor, but Paul, Paul was a planner. He would go someplace and he would plant a church among the Gentile people, which means just anybody who wasn't Jewish. And he would remain there for a couple years and, uh, and, and he would build up strong leadership, and then he would move on and plant another one. And the, his primary area of ministry, uh, when we're talking about like actual location, is in an area that would that is known today as Turkey. And so Paul would go in, he'd set up these churches and establish this leadership and go on and do it again. And, and as time went on, he would get reports from them, uh, either from an individual who would come and share, hey, this is what's happening at this church or from letters that they would write him. And, and Paul would respond back to him. He would send people back to encourage them, equip them, and, and he would also write letters that he would send back with them. And these letters that were written uh, were written specifically to the churches in different cities. 
And so the book of Galatians was written to the church at Galatia. The book of Philippians was written to the church at Philippi. The Corinthians was written to the church at Corinth and so on and so forth. And, and some of the letters that we, that we see in the New Testament were uh, written specifically just to the pastors to encourage them and equip them, right? So it's different when it's written to everybody in the church or just to the leadership of the church. And when, when the letters were written to the leadership of the church, it was typically uh, the person's name, like the book of Timothy. Uh, and so each of these letters, we call them the books of the Bible. They, they give a solid foundation on how to live a Christian life. Now, in the book of Galatians, we see that, that um, uh, uh, Paul is addressing what happens after he leaves the church. So he builds up the church, he moves on to the next one. And after Paul left, what happens is some Jewish Christians, right? Because they were the first ones to be to believe in Jesus because Jesus preached to the Jews. Some Jewish Christians who didn't really have a full grasp of the work that God was doing in the world came in behind Paul and messed things all up for the church at Galatia. They said, essentially, that the Christians in Galatia weren't doing things right, which was totally wrong. It was false. And so Paul is writing this letter uh, in order to help the church at Galatia uh, be free from any of the false teaching and be free because they would really embrace fully the work that God was doing and what, and what he really, what the gospel, which is good news, really was. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to jump right in. We're going to start at the beginning and go from there. This is Galatians 1, uh, verse 1 through 5. It says, Paul, an apostle, sent not from men, nor by a man. So in other words, man didn't commission him to do this. They didn't send him. No priest, no pastor. Nobody sent him out to plant churches. He said, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father. So he said, he said I got my commission. I got my marching orders directly from my heavenly father and from Jesus. He said, so, so, so by Jesus Christ and God, the father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers and sisters with me to the churches in Galatia, grace and peace to you from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself up for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and father to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, here's the thing. We're not going to finish all of chapter one today because the rest of chapter one is just a history of Paul and his journey and how he was he gained instruction from Jesus. But I will tell you this, that the next verse we're going to look at, which is verse six uh, and verse seven, I think these next verses are the probably like the, the key verse for the entire book of Galatians. And it simply says this. It says, I'm astonished. This is Paul. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Some of you today are like, man, I didn't, I didn't know that there was a different gospel, which gospel, by the way, just means good news. See, I, I didn't know there was another version of the good news. Well, actually, I, I, I want to just kind of appeal to some terminology we use today. Today, we watch the news and we talk about the news. The news is either reliable and true or the news is fake news. That's right. And so this, this gospel, Paul's saying, I can't believe you guys have bought into the fake news. I can't believe that you, that you had freedom. I can't believe that you understood who Jesus was and what he did for you. And, and you so quickly abandoned that freedom. You, you so quickly abandoned that grace and you traded it in for some fake news, a different gospel. And he goes on to say, which is really no gospel at all. 
In other words, it's not even really good news. You guys have bought into it and it's not really good for you. So here's what was happening. The Christian Jews who came in behind Paul came in and they said, you know what, you're missing something that, that if you're really going to do this because the gospel was first preached to us Jews, you got to be like us Jews. Now this is kind of awkward because in order to be like the Jews, uh, you didn't necessarily have to be born of Jewish descent, but you needed to make a commitment. You needed to have a physical representation of the covenant that you were uh, engaging with. And in the Old Testament, this is this was the sign that, that you were submitting to a covenant relationship with God, and it was circumcision. Now, for the Jews, they were all circumcised after on the eighth day after they were born. And so for them, they would not have even remembered this. It was a, it was a covenant that, that their parents had with God. And so they, they, you know, on the eighth day, they were circumcised, right? But when the Jewish Christians came along and told all the Gentiles, grown men, uh, and demanded that they get snipped, well, this was a little stressful. Uh, this would have been very shocking to everybody. In fact, in Acts 15, there's a debate over this very subject about whether or not their membership classes in their church should include a moment of circumcision, which I don't know about you, but if I was in a membership class and they said, hey, by the way, um, we need to do some snipping and we need to do it in a very sensitive part of your body, uh, and uh, that's a hard pass for me. That, that's a no. I'm not going to go to that. And I, I'd be very doubtful that you would find very many men that would want to attend said membership class, let alone pledge to be a member. But this is what they did. And what they did is what a lot of us do. What the Galatians did in response to that was they were like, wow, well, we, we want to get this right. And so they gave up this, the fact that, that this grace from Christ was free that, that what Jesus did for us didn't cost us anything, that we get to receive it for free. What they did was they traded it in for something they needed to do in order to earn it. And a lot of us do this. We discover grace. We discover the free gift in Jesus. And we turn that thing around. We turn it into rules and a religious type of relationship instead of a real relationship. And what Paul is saying is that essentially that, that religion or this outward act in order to earn this love and to order to earn this grace and earn heaven, that, that all of that is religion and it isn't good news, it's fake news. And if you've ever experienced religion, you know that that's true. That's not something I have to convince you of. You absolutely know it's true. Paul continues on and says, evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. So today's topic uh, is just that. I think there's a lot of people here that are watching today. Maybe this is your first time with us and maybe this is your story. Maybe it's not. But there's a lot of us who have received Jesus. We've willingly received it. But our human nature takes us from this life-giving freedom of Christ into the dead rituals and rites of religion. You know, years ago, I was, uh, I was working uh, at a place uh, called Safe Light Auto Glass, and I was working in a call center. And, uh, and, and I learned that there was a $300 recruiting bonus uh, every time you got somebody hired. And, uh, and I was part of a church that also had a Bible college attached to it. So what I did was 
uh, I asked my company for materials. I was like, hey, can I get like a board of some sort, like, you know, like a, a sign and some pamphlets and things. And, and I'm going to go to this to this college day and I'm and I'm going to be part of their job fair. I'm going to I'm going to advertise to a bunch of Bible college kids. and I'm going to tell them that when they get the job to write my name down and after their 90 days, I was going to rake in that that $300 a person, right? And so, so this is what I did. And, and what happened was they loved it. The job was easy to do. They could study when they weren't on the phones. And so it was right at the alley of Bible college kids. Well, well, the, the facility began to be flooded with Bible college kids. And the problem with that is, and I don't know if you ever met a kid who's going to Bible college, is a Bible college kids really mean well, but they don't often come with a firm foundation in Christianity yet. And so what they did was they wound up intermingling with a bunch of non-believers and even some, some mature believers. And what they did was they talked all about the rules. They talked all about religion. They talked all about, well, if you do this, then you're going to hell, right? Like they, they told lots of people they were going to hell and, and, and division <laughs> within our, our company, like re, was the result. There was people, they couldn't stand. Bible college kids. And, and really what happened was that Christians got a bad rap as a result. And then there was me, I'm in the middle of this and, and I didn't talk like them. I didn't behave like them. I didn't want any of the goofy stuff. I wasn't interested in religion. In fact, I had come out of religion and was experiencing the freedom of the relationship with Jesus. And as I spent time with them, there was one guy in particular, I remember having a conversation with him one day, and this is when I got the aha that, that, uh, that there was two different gospels that existed, like that there was two different approaches to Christianity. See, he had encountered their approach to Christianity. He had encountered this religious approach where it was a bunch of rules, where there was a bunch of stuff you had to do in order to earn God's love. And, and otherwise you were going to hell. And he, he didn't like any of that, but, but he loved talking to me because I would talk to him about my relationship with Jesus. And I, I love my relationship with Jesus. And he sat me down one day and, and we were talking. He said, you know, Aaron, he said, I don't want what they have. He said, but the God that you're talking about, I want that. See, in Christianity, we've got a branding problem. See, people are attracted to something that is real. And a relationship with Jesus is real. But all religion is, it's man-made pathways to us getting to God. But that's not what Christianity is about at all. So there's these two gospels out there. And that was the problem that the Galatians were experiencing. And that's the problem that we are experiencing. Because you got to know this. It's very easy to vacillate from one gospel to the other. To, to, to experience the freedom, but then to come to believe that, that your freedom and the grace that you're experiencing has everything to do with the way you've behaved and what you've done. We go from freedom right back into bondage. It's so easy to do that. And we need to make it clear, which is for us, for our benefit and for everyone's, we need to make, make it clear what is the good news and what is the fake news. So here's the key question. This is what will help us on this journey today is how am I going to become godly? Like what is your approach to getting to God and serving him. Because see, every religion actually answers this question. Every religion identifies a pathway or a way 
for you to either get to God or become like God. And Christianity is no different. There is a way. In fact, Jesus was known as the way. That's the religion that they called him after Jesus died and had ascended and, and you know, rose from the dead and ascended back into heaven. They, they talked about him and called him the way. Uh, so, so Jesus was the way, but except that, that people think uh, that when they approach Christianity, that they can approach it like they do all other religions. And, and, and they approach it through this, I've got to do this. I have to do this the right way. I have to not do that. I have to make sure I do this so many times. I have to pray this many times. I have to do that. And, and that's just not the right way to approach Christianity. We can easily become like the Galatian church, accepting religious acts as a way to get to God. But today I'm going to share how this issue shows up in the very first story that, that occurs in your Bible right after God created the world. But understand that this issue doesn't just show up here in the beginning of our Bibles. It shows up all throughout biblical history and even in the last book of Revelation as well. So today let's look at uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 8 through 9, and it says this. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden. This is the Garden of Eden. This is where Adam and Eve uh, were. And it says, And there he put the man he had formed. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. So God creates Adam and Eve. And what he's, what he's getting ready to do and what I'm getting ready to describe is that God also created Adam and Eve with free choice. And so he creates a choice in the middle of the garden. And it wasn't about, um, the, this choice that they had wasn't about uh, about a sin, a choosing to sin and walk away from God either, because that's not really what happened here. It, it was, they had a choice in front of them that was actually worse than just eating a piece of forbidden fruit. So, so watch this and you'll see what the choice is as it unfolds. It says that in the middle of the garden was, there was the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So this, there was this tree of life that, that if they ate of that, that it would lead them to life. But if they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, well, then they would, they're, they're, they would have this knowledge-based approach. So, so one tree represents the, the, way that, the pathway that God has for you. It's a tree of life. And the other represents a pathway of approaching God. And it's through the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It's knowledge-based. It's about what is your worldview? What is your approach, right? So, so you choose to approach godliness through, through, through the knowledge of the good. And it says this, and the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So he had permission to eat from the tree of life, but he did not have permission to eat from the knowledge of good and evil. He said, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. So in other words, God is letting Adam know, and he's letting Eve know, and he's letting us know through this story as well, is that if we let that be our worldview, then we will die. And he's like, don't do it. Don't let that be your mindset. Don't let that be your approach that you're going to choose knowledge because what it'll do is if you choose that pathway, if you choose religion, it'll make you ultimately reject Christianity, which is the, which is connected to the real gospel. Or if, if you don't reject Christianity and you kind of stay in this fake version of it, what it'll do is it'll ultimately choke the very life out of you. You know, I grew up in a very religious kind of church, 
you know, they, they had a whole bunch of rules and, and they weren't things that you could find in the Bible. It was like, Hey, you can't have a TV in your house and, and women have to have long hair and can't wear makeup. And you're not allowed to go into movie theaters or bowling alleys. Boys can't wear shorts. You're not allowed to have facial hair, facial hair. And there was a whole bunch of things you weren't allowed to have. And I think that that actually included not having fun. Uh, so, so seriously, they had the Bible, but they also had a secondary book. It was a book of rules that members of the church had to follow. And let me tell you something from my perspective, from growing up in this all the way up until I was 18, there was very few of them that I encountered. And I, cause I, I can't say that all of them, but there was very few that I encountered that were actually happy in their relationship with God. You wouldn't know that they loved Jesus by interacting with them. You would know it because they were dressed a certain way and you could identify them as people that went to a particular church, but you would not be able to identify them as people that spent time with Jesus. They'd accepted a fake news gospel. And here's what I know, and this is the good news, is that God wants us to have a right relationship with him. That is the good news. He wants us to have a relationship that produces what Jesus talked about, a full and fulfilled life. That means God God has in mind for you that if you'll do things his way, everything that is better, happiness and joy, fulfillment. Here's the truth though. The devil wants to rob us of all of that. And so he does what he always does. And he did this in the story in Genesis chapter three. He steps onto the scene and watch what happens. It says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? So he's questioning her. Did, did God really say that? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. Now here's the, here's what he does. The devil steps onto the scene and he challenges what God has told us. And he says, that's not true. He says, you'll not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. See, the devil didn't tempt her to be rebellious or be sinful, right? Or, to, you know, just to resist, you know, like, like, well, who does he think he is? You just need to resist him. He's not good. That's not what he did. What he did was he appealed to her desire to be godly. And I think there's a desire for each and every single one of us to be godly. And that's what the enemy will appeal to. He tempted her to be godly, but not in the right way. He tempted her to be godly his way, which is where the trouble began. See, the devil doesn't just tempt us to do bad things. If he can destroy you uh, then, then, and, and tempt you to do bad things, through, then, then he'll do that. But if he can't get you to do bad things, if he can't get you to do things that are inherently, and you know them to be wrong, then what he'll do is he'll get you to destroy yourself by pushing you to do things uh, that are incorrect. You're not doing things God's way anymore. And so he said, you know, you can be like God through your approach and through the mindset, through the knowledge that you're going to have. And unfortunately, you know how the rest of the story goes. She bought it. And so did Adam. We pick back up in the story and it says, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom. See, none of this is bad stuff, by the way. She also, or she took some and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. And then the eyes of both of them were open and they realized they were naked. 
Now notice what happens. Every time we reject God's ways and we try to do things our own, when, where we make ourselves God, we say, I'm going to do this my way. What happens is we have a loss of innocence and, and it produces shame in our lives. And that's exactly what happened with Adam and Eve. As soon as they ate, it's the Bible says that their eyes were open and they realized they were naked because that's the case. They were walking around in the garden. They were innocent and they were naked. And as soon as they ate from the fruit, they realized, oh my goodness, I'm naked. And they were ashamed. And it says, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And then they went on to hide and they, and they, and they hid from God. See, every time we choose the fake news gospel, it produces loss of innocence in our life and it produces shame as well. And this is so important. It's so important to who we are as a church and how we live as Christians that I'm going to explain it to you three different ways because you need to understand the difference between the good news and the fake news gospel. Amen, everybody? So here's, here's, here's let me break it down for you. This is the first way to understand this. The first way to explain this is that one of our approaches focuses on what you do. One of the approaches to understanding God focuses or knowing God and, and being godly focuses on what you do. This, this is like your Bible reading. There's a lot of you that are reading through a Bible reading plan, which means that you tune in daily or you've got a printout or you go on your Bible app and it tells you what to read every day. And so you're reading through the entire Bible in one year. But some of you, you miss that day and you feel guilt because you didn't read your Bible today. And so you get to tomorrow and you're looking at the, at the miss from yesterday and you're like, oh man, I need to read both of those days in order to, because this is all about what I do. I've got to read both of these days and I don't have time to read both of these days today. So I'm just not going to do it. And then we get to day three and in day three, now I've got I've got the day I missed, the day that I said I didn't have time to read both of them. And now I've got three days to do it and I don't have time to do that. And the guilt keeps piling up on you and the shame keeps piling up on you. Or, or maybe maybe that's not you. Maybe, maybe you just think about like how long you pray. And I mean, like there are some of you that set timers, like I'm only gonna pray for five minutes and or I have to pray an hour every day. And if I don't do that, then then I'm not saved and I'm not going to heaven. Or or maybe maybe you 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 focus on how eloquent your prayers are, or the amount of scripture you have memorized, or the amount of gold stars you've got for your attendance on Sunday morning, or how much you gave in your offering. See, the thing is when you focus on what you do, what it does is it builds your ego. But see, the thing is, is a relationship with God is not about what you do. The proper approach and the right gospel focuses on what Jesus has done. See, it's not about how long you prayed. It's not about how eloquent you are in prayer. It's not even about how many words you use in prayer. It's not how much you read your Bible on a daily basis or whether you read your Bible on a daily basis. The focus must be solely on what Jesus has done. For me, when I read the Bible, it doesn't matter how much I read, like the quantity or the number of verses that I read. I'm only concerned every day with looking in those pages and seeing Jesus because I have a desire to know him. I have a relationship with him and I want to know him better. In fact, that's what Jesus said the scriptures exist to do. In John 5, 39 through 40, he said, you diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. In other words, he said, you think that you get eternal life because of what you do. He said, 
these are the scriptures that testify about me. He says, all scripture that you have, it's all pointing to me. He said, yet you refuse to come to me to have what? Life. See, there it is. So you, you can make it all about how, uh, about reading your Bible. And don't get me wrong. Scripture reading is important, but it isn't the goal itself. The goal is knowing Jesus more. It's not about us and what we've done. It's about knowing Jesus and what he's done. Our second approach, uh, and this is, this is the wrong approach, is, is one focuses on getting God's approval. This kind of approach is, is very similar to the, to the last one that was wrong, but, it, but most of us at one time have believed that we believe that God is mad at us. Like we've got this idea somewhere that God is up in heaven. He's wearing a white robe and he's sitting on a cloud and he's holding a lightning bolt and he's just sitting there waiting for us to mess up. And we, we even believe falsely that, that because of all of our mistakes and because of the things that we've done that are wrong, that if we walked into a church building, we would burst into flames. And, and, and so we, what we try to do in this wrong tree, this the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we try to do all we can to not get zapped. We, we believe what Jonathan Edwards preached many, many years ago. He's a very popular traveling preacher who had a message called sinners in the hands of an angry God. And we believe that about God. But let me tell you something that's fake news. God isn't angry at us and we don't have to earn a thing. It's kind of like the movie, The Wizard of Oz. If you know that, that story, you know that Dorothy winds up in the land of Oz and all she wants to do the entire time is get back home. Like she's a homebody. She wants to be with her Annie M. She wants to be back on the farm. And so she encounters all kinds of, all kinds of people along the way. And all they do is they tell them the way, follow the yellow brick road, go to the wizard and tell him what you want. So they get there. And, and there's this big scene about who, who the wizard is, and he does this big to-do, you know, and it's this big angry face, and, and there's flames that are flaring up around his face, and, and, and the wizard's like, what do you want? And it's all this big booming, it's terrifying, they're all scared. And Dorothy says, well, this is what I want. And, and he says, okay, well, if you want that, you gotta earn it. And he sends her out on a quest to go and defeat the, the wicked witch and, and to bring back her broom. And for a lot of us, we think God is the same way as the wizard. We, we think that when we approach God, we, God says, what do you want? And we're like, I just don't want to go to hell. I don't want to go to hell. I, I want to go to heaven. And, and we feel like God's response to us is, is to go do something, right? It's, it's like, okay, well, if you want to go to heaven, you need to go memorize the entire Bible. And, and, but you know what? That approach, that's just us trying to earn God's approval. And that is a fake news gospel. What we need most is a right picture of God. And we need to know that God is love. He's not angry at us. He's full of grace. His mercies are new every morning. That means you cannot exhaust them. This is who he is. And instead of focusing on getting God's approval, we need a gospel that focuses on simply receiving God's love. See, God already loves you. You can't earn it. <laughs> you have it already. You can't earn something you already possess. Even though you sinned last night, you still have God's love. He loves you. He doesn't like what you did. He doesn't approve it. He knows that it, that it comes with a cost. It, sin always brings damage in our lives, to our relationships, to our thoughts, to our futures. It, it does all that, but, but we never lose God's love. You don't have to earn it. All we have to do is learn how to receive it. 
And this is important because your view of God will determine your relationship with God. In other words, how you see him, whether you see him as angry or whether you see him as loving and how he loves you unconditionally, how you see him determines how you act with him. For example, there are some of us that, that and I've, I've been in this group, I am not exempt from it, that I messed up royally this week. And I showed up at church today and instead of joining in with the singing, I refused to sing because I felt like it would make me a hypocrite. I refused to sing because I felt like God hates me for what I did. And, and I, won't, I won't engage. I'm not taking notes. I may have, you may have even chose to not come to church for some season because you believed that God was mad at you. And he's just not mad at you. In fact, Romans 5.8 tells us this. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners. In other words, while you were out messing up last night, while you were out injecting that stuff in your arm, while you were out saying those hurtful words, while you were out spending your life running far from God's ways, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us to change before he made a decision to pay the price for our sins with his life. He didn't wait for us to change before dying. He died so that we could be changed. Let me say it this way. You don't have to get your act together to come to God. That's like taking a shower in the sink before you get into the shower to get clean. You don't have to do that. That's silly. You come to God so you can get your act together. He loves you enough to accept you as you are. But God is not going to leave you the way that he found you. And I believe, man, that, if that's not love, I don't know what it is. What is. If you're willing to receive that love, what will happen is it will transform you from within. In 1 John 4.19, it says, we love because he first loved us. See, any love that we have for him is because we've received his love for us. And it's important that we understand that his love for us is unending, unconditional. There's no way we can lose it. There's no way we can ever be separated from God's love. And with that right picture, we'll hang out in the tree of life. We love because he first loved us. Here's the last way I'll break it down for you. The, of the two, two different gospels that exist, the fake news gospel and the good news gospel. One focuses on external duty. This is about your motivation for why you do what you do, okay? So this isn't just about all about what you do, not, not what you do, not how much you do, not how long you do it. This is about why you do it. Like, are you, are you in a relationship with God? Are you doing what you're doing? Is all of the, the spiritual disciplines that you live out in your life, are you doing them because you have an obligation to do them? Because you read it and you're like, well, I have to be obedient. And so I have to do this. Is that your approach to your relationship with God? Because one focuses, one, one focuses on external duty, your motivation and why you're doing it. And it's the wrong motivation. It's, it's like, hey, I'm, I'm going to focus on, on, on this because I have to. But one focuses on internal desire. See, there's a huge difference. One is a desire for acceptance. The other is because I'm accepted, I want to do and then fill in the blank, right? It's because 
you've experienced God's love, that you want to make shifts in your life, that you do things a certain way. See, I don't want you to serve because you have to. Here at Simple Church, we talk about serving, whether we're serving in kids ministry or in the band or in the parking lot or however we take an opportunity to serve. To serve. It's not about I have to serve God. When you experience God's love, when you experience his grace, it shifts to I get to do this for God. In 1 John 5, 3 and verse 12, it says, this is love for God to obey his commands. And you might stop me right there and go, aha, I told you it was all about being obedient to his commands. It is about rules. Hold on a second. Watch this. And it says, and his commands are not burdensome. His commands are not burdensome. And you're like, well, yeah, they are. His commands are heavy. Yep. And you know what? I would agree with you. His commands are burdensome and heavy if you're not in love. See, if you're in love, they're easy because love changes everything. The verse goes on and says, he who has the son, so that's Jesus, has life, right? We're hanging out in the tree of life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. So it's how we do it. How do we choose to eat from the tree of life? I know that's your question. How do we do it, Aaron? Tell me, explain it to me, break it down. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm, what I'm going to do in this, in this last part, and I promise I'm wrapping up shortly here, is that I, I'm going to break down what really, we've got these groups called freedom groups, really takes a deep dive into this content and gives us all a common language that, man, if you haven't gone through the freedom curriculum yet, uh, I think that everybody who's attending our church needs to go through it at least once. Uh, so I, I want to encourage you that, I know it's summertime now, but, but this fall and September when groups are forming again, uh, we, we have some, some great people, uh, Ken and Michelle Hogan, that are doing the Freedom Group. I would encourage you to sign up for their group. It's so important. You want to dive into this content to understand the full freedom that Jesus has for you. But, but when we're talking about these two trees, the, it's the tree of knowledge of good and evil, which is doing things our way, trying to approach God our way, versus trying to approach God through the tree of life, the way that he's told us to approach that produces life in our lives. And so living in the tree of life happens. That's what, what we want to learn today. It happens first when we fall in love with Jesus. See, when you know who Jesus is and what he's done, it's easy to fall in love with him. See, when you see Jesus as someone who loves you unconditionally, that changes everything. When you know what he did to pay our bill, which means that, that Jesus left the glories of heaven, like he was, he was with God in the beginning. He made everything. It was for him and through him and by him that all creation was made. And he was in, enthroned in the heavens and he left his privileges he left glory and he was born as a humble child here on this earth. He walked this planet for 30 years before he began his ministry. And then he went around doing good, healing people, delivering them, helping them experience freedom, preaching that the kingdom of God was at hand. And then Jesus did something that you and I could have never done. He laid down his life for us. Jesus lived a perfect and sinless life and he gave his life as a ransom. You guys know what a ransom is, right? It's something that must be paid in order for the person to be restored to you. Jesus paid a price. He paid the ransom for our lives so that we didn't have to die and go to hell paying for the price of our own sins. Jesus did that for us. That's why we could never do it ourselves because none of us is perfect. 
but he was perfect, laid down his life, was brutalized before he got to the cross, was humiliated and, and tormented and, and, um, uh, and, and through suffocation on the cross. And then he was dead for three days and rose to, to life on the third day. And man, I'm going to tell you, when you understand what all of that accomplished, that what he paid the price was for you to experience a full and fulfilled life with tons of freedom and joy and peace and hope. When you understand who he is and what he's done, it's easy to fall in love with him. In fact, I think once you understand fully how, how he loves you and what he did to show you that he loved you, that our only reasonable response is to love him back. All of Christianity becomes easy once you fall in love with Jesus. And not just easy, but I would tell you it becomes a delight. In John 14, verse 15, it says this, If you love me, comma, you will obey what I command. And for years, uh, many of us, me included, we've read that law wrong, totally, totally wrong. We've read that, well, if you love me, you'll prove it by being obedient, right? That's the wrong tree to hang out in. That's the wrong way to approach it, that, that I'm going to prove my love by being obedient. But the right approach is, if you love me, you will. In other words, if you love him, you'll want to. You know, I don't wake up every day of my life struggling to serve my wife and, and, and having to focus so hard on avoiding committing adultery. Like, like, okay, Aaron, if you do this, she's going to cut you. And actually, she's, she's going to kill you. And she's going to kill the person that you committed adultery with. Like, like I don't have to wake up every day and go, okay, today I got to be a good boy. I don't, I don't do that. Why? Well, because I'm in love. It's easy to serve her. It's easy to prefer her. It's easy to lay my life down for her. It's easy to do that because I love her. And when you love Jesus, you will. You, you'll do the things that, that he's asked you to do because it's easy to do it. You're in love. So my question for you, friends, is, is which side of the comma are you living on? Are you on the side where you're doing things to obey him in order to prove him, to show up and say, I'm going to do all of this? Or are you living on the side of, of the comma that says, I love him. Like, if you love him, then you'll, then you'll do it. Are you on the side where you love him? That's the tree of life. Or are you on the side of the knowledge of good and evil tree? Trying to prove it by doing or are you doing it because you're in love? That's the question. So that's the first step is fall in love with Jesus. The second step is don't allow condemnation. Man, the devil does what he did to Eve and he came up to her and said, you know, your approach to God is not right. You're not doing it right. And he challenged her. Same thing happened uh, to, to the Galatians uh, church, right? The, the, they came, the, the Jewish Christians came to him and said, you're not doing it right. Condemn them. And I'm going to tell you, you can't allow that in your life. You can't allow the devil to come along and tell you that you aren't doing enough and that you're not doing it right. Because like I said before, if he can't get you to go out and sin, he'll get you to burn yourself out where you're no good to anybody. You'll continue to do so much so often that you'll just be burnt out on religion, not experiencing the full grace and mercy and joy of a relationship. So don't fall into this trap of empty religion. You know how you can know whether or not you're, you're, you're hanging out in the wrong tree? I'll tell you, it's, it's about how you view other sins. Like when, when you find out somebody has sin, are you judgmental? 
Because if you're overly judgmental about them and like, I cannot believe it. Can you believe that they did that? They're thinner. How dare they? Don't they know better? Like if you're going to sit there on a seat of judgment, which is not your job, by the way, you're hanging out in the wrong tree. You're hanging out and you, you are taking part in the fake news gospel. Or when you find out that one of your brothers and sisters is in sin, are you loving, full of grace and ready to restore them? That means you're hanging out in the tree of life. Romans 8, 1 through 2 says this, Therefore, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That means everybody, everybody receives grace. Everybody receives mercy. There's forgiveness for all the things we do. Now, that doesn't mean it gives us permission to go out and just be a bonehead all the time. Uh, but what it means is that when we do make mistakes, there's grace for us. That means we ought to have grace for each other. In fact, in Colossians, Paul tells us to make room for each other's faults. Be ready for it. People are going to mess up. They're people. They're flawed. They're human. They're, they're, they're sinful just like you are. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives us life has set you free from the law of sin and death. No one is going to come along and condemn you except the enemy, so don't let him. So fall in love with Jesus. Don't allow condemnation in your life. Uh, and the third thing is you gotta make the choice to do this every day. You, you gotta make the choice to pursue knowing Jesus every single day. Not proving, that, that's not what, what you need to do. You just need to look for Jesus every day. Look for him, know him, pursue the freedom that he paid for you to have. Don't let the enemy come along and condemn you by pushing you towards religion. Refuse that every single day and make a choice to live in the tree of life versus living in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. This last verse uh, is our invitation today. And as your pastor, I I'm gonna read this as if this is what I'm saying to you because this is your invitation today. It comes from Deuteronomy uh, chapter 30, verse 19. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and cursings. In Simple Church, those of you that are brand new here, those of you that have never had a relationship with God and those of you that, that have had a relationship with God, maybe it's been the wrong kind of relationship with God. That's the choice you have before you today. You can choose the tree of life or you can choose the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which will ultimately lead to death and curses in your life. The verse wraps up in the same way that I'm gonna wrap up today. Now choose life. That's your choice today. Amen, everybody. Let's pray. Father, today I pray that you would help each and every single one of us. Today there's, there's a bunch of us that are tuned in today that we're hanging out in the wrong tree. And we believe the fake news gospel. And we've, as a result of pursuing religion and not a relationship, we've experienced shame. We've experienced a loss of innocence. And, and we've experienced the exhaustion and the emptiness that comes along with trying to prove we are good enough for you to love us. We, we, we're experiencing the pain that religion brings in all of our attempts to get to you. And today, Lord, I pray, I pray that many today will respond to the invitation to choose life, the life that comes from simply knowing Jesus. In fact, I'm gonna look right here in this camera and I'm gonna say right now, if you're ready to surrender to Jesus, if you're ready to give him your life, if you're ready to say, Jesus, I'm gonna trust your ways. I, I'm gonna fall in love with you. I'm gonna do everything I can to begin a life of knowing you and loving you. Uh, Jesus, I'm ready. 
And if that's you, if you're ready to begin a relationship with Jesus, won't you pray with me right now? In fact, I want everybody to pray this prayer no matter where you're at, because nobody should be praying alone. Say, Jesus, I need you. Come into my life and make me brand new. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit and show me how to live for you and teach me to tell others about you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Now, my Bible tells me if you prayed that prayer, heaven's having a party, we're celebrating with you as well. Thank you so much for making that decision today. And I'm gonna encourage you one thing right here, right now. If you made that decision today, make the second best decision you can make right now. Click on our digital connect card. There's a link in the description of the videos. If you're on our online campus, there should be something popping up in the chat right now, but it's also somewhere on your screen. It says digital connect card. If you click on that, let us know. I said yes to Jesus today. We're not gonna look for your information so that we can sell your information or harass you. What we wanna do is help you on your next step. So if you fill out that connect card, that helps us help you take your next step in your spiritual journey. You're now part of our family and you are not meant to do this alone. Amen, everybody? So fill out that connect card. All right, well, as we wrap up today's message, I wanna give an opportunity for those of you that are prepared to, uh, to give of your tithes and your offerings. Thank you again for your faithfulness and that. Also know that if the Lord is speaking to you about giving above and beyond that, there's also the building fund and the bike fund uh, for purchasing uh, the uh, bikes for the parade, uh, that you can also do that. That's, that. That only lasts this week as we purchase for the bikes. Uh, but, uh, but man, if you've been prayerful about that and the Lord has challenge you to give above and beyond your normal tithes and your offerings, man, I want to challenge you to take that next step and uh, be obedient to what he is challenging you to do. The ways you can give are all here on the screen. If you're a guest with us, you're under no obligation to give. We're just really glad that you're here with us today. Uh, so thanks again for being with us. Um, today is uh, June 27th and I want to just encourage you. I know this is airing here in the morning and you might be watching this on a different day, but if you're watching this, Sunday morning, know that uh, the Gloves Off event, a conversation around racism, is happening tonight at 6 p.m. at Franklin Park, and I would love to see you there. If you're not able to join us tonight, that's okay, I understand, but know that I believe that this is going to be challenging and life-changing as we approach this topic. So love to see you there tonight. Make sure you bring your own lawn chair. There'll be food and drinks, and uh, there'll be fun for your kids, and it's gonna be a great time. So. Uh, come out and uh, and be part of that. Otherwise, uh, if you're not able to make it, maybe you're just in our online family, man, we'll see you right back here next week as we continue this series on Galatians. God bless you guys. I love you so much.